Some of you may remember in September of last year, I played a song for you as part of the song introduction. I played the whole song. Uh, were, were any of you here? Do, do any of you remember that? One or two, maybe. Um, it was part of the introduction. Uh, it's a song that means a lot to Karen and I, as Karen and I both went through a time of deep trauma about 18 to 20 years ago. Uh, this song came along, and this song meant a lot to us. We felt as though Twyla Paris wrote these words for us. This is an American. This is a song written by an American artist named uh, Twyla Paris, and we were broken in our lives. And isn't it true that God speaks to His people in the midst of brokenness? God doesn't leave His people in brokenness. God speaks into brokenness. And that's what He did for us. And so let me share this line with you. I love this line. Twyla sings, Could it be that He is only waiting there to see if I will learn to love the dreams He has dreamed for me? Amen? How can you not love that line? Right? I'm going to say it to you again. Could it be that God is only waiting there to see if I will learn to love the dreams that He has dreamed for me? Well-known American Christian counselor and author Larry Crabb writes this in his book called Shattered Dreams, which is in our bookshelf. I highly recommend it to every Christian. Larry Crabb writes, God will lovingly shatter our lesser dreams in order to give us Himself. <laughs> That's brilliant. Isn't it brilliant? Do you want something more than God? If you do, and you are His, He will lovingly shatter that dream because He has a far better dream. His dream for you is Himself. His dream for you is to walk intimately with Him. His dream for you is Philippians 1.21. That's His dream for every one of His people. To live as Christ, to die as gain. That we could honestly and earnestly say those words. We could own those words. We could love those words. If we love something more than Philippians 1.21, God will lovingly speak into your life and He may do it through brokenness. I can speak from personal experience. I am an old guy. I'm going to be 59 in a couple of months. So take my word for it. Everybody in this room is almost... I think everybody in this room is younger than I. If you're older than me, you don't have much on me. My dreams were way too small. You know, my dream was just to kind of conform and get by and do what everybody else does. God broke it up. God shattered that dream and He gave me a better one. One, one that involved Him. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to live like everybody else. You know, unbelievers can roll out of bed and live like everybody else, right? True disciples of Jesus, it's not, it's not like that. You know, God's going to take us into something that we can't simply roll out of bed and do on automatic. That's, that's not biblical Christianity. It's always going to be a challenge for us. 
God's dreams are way bigger, more joyous, and more satisfying than anything you and I can conceive of. Many who call themselves Christians have dreams that differ very little from those of unbelievers. Am I not right? You know, good health, good marriages, good kids, nice house, rewarding work, um, maybe enough money to enjoy life, to travel some, maybe an opportunity to even make a difference in the world. It's the proverbial good life. But someone here tell me what's missing from the list I just enumerated. What's missing from that list? Jesus Christ is missing from that list. <clears throat> you can have every good thing the world says will make you happy and be miserable. What is it that God said through Solomon in Ecclesiastes? I have set eternity in your heart. God has set eternity in the heart of man, and until you come into relationship with God, you will always be empty. I don't care how much stuff you try to pour in there, how much pleasure, you know, how much money, how much power, how much prestige, it doesn't matter what you try to pour in there, it will never be enough because God says, I put eternity in the heart of man, and only an eternal being, that being Jesus Christ, can fill us. Up. That list I read to you, there's nothing inherently wrong with any of those things, but if you don't have Christ, your life is a tragedy, beloved. Your life is a tragedy. If you don't have Him, and you're not following Him, and you're not progressively giving yourself away to Him, and you're not living by His words, you set yourself up for great disappointment. I know the world sings a different tune. I know the world sends us a different message. I get that. But you know, I hope for that's one reason we come in here to try to hear what God has to say to us. That we won't be deceived by the media and by the drumbeat of, you know, it's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. Wrong! I tell you about every other week, it's not about you. Praise God, it's not about you. I'm not that interesting. Amen? I'm not that interesting. If it were about me, I would be bored to tears. <laughs> I would be bored to tears if it were about me. And i got to break it to you, beloved, you're not that interesting either. Maybe some of you, a little more than others. But beloved, if you think it's about you, Satan has set you up for a huge disappointment because it is not about you. It's about what Jesus wants to do in you and through you. We know the Apostle Paul had some huge dreams, right? What was the Apostle Paul's dream? A perfect Jew, right? He was a perfect Jew. He had the pedigree and he was a Pharisee. What was the pedigree? He was circumcised on the eighth day and of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, he said. As to the law, Paul says, I'm blameless. I am a perfect Jew. That was his dream, to be a perfect Jew. What happened on the road to Damascus? Anybody remember? God blew up that dream, right? <laughs> God drew up, blew up that little bitty small dream 
as Jesus Christ invaded Paul's life, as He does every believer. Let me quote Larry Crabb again. You're going to love this quote, I think. Larry Crabb says, Our shattered dreams are never random. Have you had a shattered dream? It's not random. God's in it. This is true. You're supposed to know this. And when the hard thing comes, you're supposed to believe this. They are never random, Crabb says. They are always a chapter in a larger story. I remember I told a brother, uh, actually one of my mentors, spiritual mentors, and I, we went through a hard time here several years ago, and I told him about it. And I said, man, this is tough. He goes, Jim, God's giving you a story. God's giving you a story. You walk through the trial. God gives you a story so you can proclaim His faithfulness and His goodness, right? And His provision in the trial. You say, well, Jim, I'm in a trial. Well, God's giving you a story, beloved. You're supposed to walk through that trial and honor your God and bring glory to your God. And people around you are supposed to see this. Crab continues, Shattered dreams are not accidents of fate. They are ordained opportunities for the Spirit to first awaken and then satisfy your highest dream, which must be Jesus. If we call ourselves Christians, our highest dream is to be in perfect union and intimacy with Jesus Christ. Perfect. I love, I love that. That's maybe one of the best paragraphs a man has ever written who wasn't writing Scripture. And then Crabbe says, manageable dreams are not worthy of an unmanageable God. Amen? You cannot domesticate Jesus Christ. I know that many so-called pseudo-Christian religions, they've tried to domesticate Jesus and manage Jesus and turn conversion into a formula. You know, you hear me say this all the time. You can't, you can't put uh, true biblical conversion into a formula. It's supernatural. You must be born again. I don't have the capacity to give you a formula for that. It's supernatural. It's what God does. We need to understand that, beloved. But we cannot domesticate Jesus Christ. I love that song, Indescribable. It, it says that God is uncontainable and untamable. Don't you love that about Him? Read the Bible. You... You always know what God's going to be like. You just never know what He's going to do. You don't. Daniel was delivered. Stephen was stoned. You don't know. If I obey God, will it go good for me in a temporal sense? I don't know in a temporal sense. But we know ultimately it works for your good. Romans 8.28 is always true. You know, Jesus doesn't give guarantees. He just says, come. Right? He doesn't give guarantees. He doesn't say it's going to be nice and cushy for you. It's always going to be nice for you. Everything's going to go wonderful for you if you come with me. He doesn't say that. He just says come and live. Right? Live a life worth living. Give yourself to me. Go with God. It's the best invitation you'll ever get. You'll never get a better one. God has asked you, come with me. God has invited you. Come with me. It makes me think of that. Uh, you remember Susan and... In the Chronicles of Narnia, she asked Mr. Beaver, she heard that Aslan was a lion, and she said, is he quite safe? What did Mr. Beaver say? Safe? Of course he's not safe. He's a lion! 
It's not safe to go with Jesus in a temporal sense. He told us it would not be. He said, the world hated me, it will hate you. So we know this name it and claim it, this prosperity gospel, this word of faith, we know that it is not the biblical gospel. We don't have the capacity to name it and claim it. I would, I would tremble to name it and claim it. I would much rather have God dispose His providence in my life. Beloved, we're called to, to simply walk through the providences of God loving Him and honoring Him and making much of him. So Paul happily let go of his lesser dreams. And you remember, I think we talked about it last week or the week before, Philippians 3.8. You remember what Paul said? He said, man, all that stuff before Jesus was what? Anybody remember? Philippians 3.8. All that stuff that I filled my life up with uh, before Jesus invaded my life. What, remember what he called it? What did he call it? Refuse. And of course, the King James translates it what? Dung. You know, we should enjoy the subordinate pleasures of God. Of course we should. But compared to Jesus, it's way down here. And this is what Paul, this is what Paul, all these folks we've been talking about for the last six, eight weeks, you know, Joseph and Caleb and Gideon and Moses and Esther, they had this perspective, right? This was their perspective on life. So let me ask you at the outset, are you still dreaming those, those little worldly dreams, those little temporal dreams? Is your highest goal just to conform in a comfortable way with the world? You know, just to, you know, conform to the ways of the world and be comfortable? I mean, we all want to be comfortable, don't we? But God help us if we want to conform with the world and let me just clarify, we don't, you know, comfort is, it can become an idol. So I want to make sure we understand that. We certainly don't put comfort before our obedience to Jesus. So are you still dreaming those lesser dreams? I think it's an important question for everyone in this room. Are you still dreaming those, those little temporal dreams that you can do all by yourself? That, 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 that don't require God being a part of your life at all. You can just roll out of bed and do them. Unbelievers can just roll out of bed and do what you're dreaming about. As I exhorted the young adults Thursday night, you are sons and daughters of the King. Do not lower your ambitions to that of the world. You are a son and a daughter of King Jesus. We are not to move in conformity with the world. And I want to say to you, you, you it's real easy to know if you're, if you're dreaming God's dream or your dream. If you're dreaming your dream, it's all about you. It's just all about you. It's all about you all the time. It's all about you all the time. It's never not about you. <laughs> it's always about you. And you're not crying out to God and saying, Oh God, take my life. Take it over. Do all your good pleasure in me. 
Have your way with me. Do what you want to do in me. To live is Christ. To die is gain. And then we just go and be with, with Jesus. God invaded Paul's life on the road to Damascus. And he couldn't settle for just being a perfect Jew anymore. That didn't make his heart, his heart beat fast anymore. It's not big enough. I want Jesus. I want more of Jesus. What have I always told you? How do you get more of Jesus? You obey Jesus. That's how you get more. That's how you get more of Jesus. You obey Jesus. You do what Jesus has called you to do in your life, in your place, in your situation where He has placed you. The uh, title of our series has been Our God is God and We Should Live Like It. So that's kind of where we're going again tonight. Our God is God. We should live like it. I want to remind you that Paul, as he writes the book of Philippians, he's in jail. And this book sometimes is called the Epistle of Joy. Yes, he's in prison. Yes, he's being slandered by some Christians outside the church. Yes, his head may be chopped off at any time. But he is writing about the joy of being a Christian. None of these circumstances can touch his joy. Let me ask you, how easy do you give up your joy? You couldn't take Paul's joy. You couldn't have Paul's joy. You couldn't get Paul's joy. Circumstance didn't really matter. It is the saddest possible human life. I alluded to it earlier. Self-absorbed, self-consumed, self-centered life. It's just sad. You know, I think most people just live bored lives. Are you bored? You've left off obeying Jesus somewhere. You won't be bored if you're obeying Jesus. I promise you will not be bored. If you're walking with the living God, you will not be bored. You know, I think this is... Boredom gives rise to probably a large... I couldn't obviously put a percentage on it. A large percentage of the sin in the world just pours out of sheer boredom. God's put eternity in your heart. Well, of course you're bored if you don't know Jesus Christ. Of course you're bored. And you'll die bored and you'll be bored for all eternity. So I encourage you. Really give yourself to Jesus, right? <laughs> he is the prescription for boredom. Go do what He tells you. <laughs> Go do what He tells you. If we've met Jesus, we can't settle for small conforming dreams anymore. And Paul is telling us in this text tonight that you heard read earlier, that the Christian is called to love and live God's dreams, not our own. I won't reread the text. Verses 21 to 24 there. It's the confession of every born again, maturing believer. It's not about me, it's about God. And I really want the dreams He's dreamed for me. That's what I want. That's what I want. That's what I want. 
I love how Paul says it in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Do you own that as a Christian? Have you fully surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Is His Lordship evident in your life? Is that the ambiance of your life? Is that the fragrance of your life? You know, I I love to... To, to say it to you, but don't you love it, you know? The world can go, yeah, he's that guy. That guy, he's a Christian, man. He makes me nervous. I don't like what he says. He's make, he makes me nuts. You know, you're supposed to make unbelievers a little nuts. It's like Piper says, if you really understand the Word of God, you know, yeah. It's otherworldly. It's otherworldly. And that should be the ambiance of our life as well. So Paul had been liberated from that little dream of being the perfect Jew. He's now walking with Jesus. And oh yeah, it's not always safe. And oh yeah, it's not always comfortable. And oh yeah, it's not, not, not always easy. And oh yeah, sometimes it's really, really hard. You know, this is kind of where modern Christendom has... I don't know. It's almost like you talk, to, you talk to a modern believer about sacrifice, about loss, about persecution. Many times you see this. Everybody know what a deer in the headlights? You know that phrase? It's like a deer in the headlights. It's like they, the, their eyes just glass over and it's like, what? What? But you, can't, you can't read the Bible with any integrity and not understand that we are called to hard things sometimes. And we are not to shrink back from the hard thing. And don't you love it? Paul's in jail. He may get his head chopped off tomorrow. <laughs> he's, he's in the, man, he's in the jail. He's writing the Bible. He writes four books in Rome while he's in jail. And he's witnessing to the Praetorian Guard. Some are being converted. (laughs) Don't you love it? Um, Yeah. I do love it. We talk about it all the time. Hebrews 11. That's our paradigm. That's our template. Hebrews 11. Men and women who knew their God was God and they lived like it, right? And what were the men and women of Hebrews 11? I know I say this to you a lot. What were they looking at? It's, it's mentioned three times in Hebrews 11. What were they looking at? Oh, uh, a nice career. Oh, no, a pile of cash. No, a nice retirement. No, a great portfolio. No, some earthly security. No, more cool stuff to own. What were they looking at? Does anybody know what they were looking at? Of course you know but it says it three times explicitly. They were looking at God and the city of God. That's what they were looking at. They didn't have time to be bored. They were looking at God. They were obeying God. They were strangers and exiles, right? (laughs) Strangers and exiles upon the earth. Paul says, Man, I'm going to use what, what, what few moments I have on this planet, I, I use it, I invest it. 
I'm going to invest it for the good of God and His Gospel. He says, if I am to live on in the flesh, I will be a good steward of my time. I will engage, and you saw it, you heard it in text, in fruitful labor. Let me ask you, are you engaging in fruitful labor for the cause of Jesus? As you love and serve this church, as you love and, and, and minister to unbelievers in the world, I say to you all the time, it's why God's left us on the planet. Jesus said, accumulate for yourselves lots of stuff. Was that it? No, how did He say it? I got an amen on that one. Repent! Ha! Um, Jesus said what? Lay up for yourselves unfailing treasures in heaven. That's what the men and women of Hebrews 11 were doing. This is what Paul is doing. That's what Moses was doing. That's what Gideon was doing. That's what Esther was doing. That's what God's called you and I to do as well. Paul says, if the Lord lets me live, it's all about Him. <laughs> it's all about Him. If I live, if I die, it's gain for me. If I live, it's about Jesus. If I die, it's about going to be with Jesus. His life was pretty simple. I love how C.S. Lewis talks about this. You've probably heard this quote before. If you read history, you'll find that those Christians who did the most for this world were just those who thought most of the next. Have you heard this? I love this. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. I think that's good counsel. Paul says, whether I live, whether I die, I'm aiming at heaven. To live is Christ, to die is gain. To live is to be used of Christ. To die is to be with Christ. In our study of Colossians, Several years ago now, we learned that Luke is with Paul in Rome as he is writing Philippians. Can't you see these two guys sitting around talking? And uh, I can just envision Luke coming to visit Paul in prison and telling him all the things the Holy Spirit is prompting him to write in his Gospel, including the parables of the menace. Do you remember the parables of the menace? Anybody remember the parables? Luke 19. Let me just read an excerpt for you. A nobleman, a nobleman uh, went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then to return. And he called ten of his slaves together and he, he gave them ten minas and said to them, Do business with these until I come back. When he returned, he ordered that these slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him so that he might know what business they had done. Don't you love it? And I think this... this and I'm just theorizing here, but if, if Paul and Luke had this conversation, we know that Paul got that. Because that's what he was about. He was going to do business while he was here. He was going to do God's business. It wasn't all about Paul. It wasn't very much about Paul. <laughs> it was about Jesus Christ. Right? And he was doing God's business. Don't you love it? It's really, you know, Christianity is not hard. Just do what God tells you to do. Just do it. 
And the harder it is, the more fun it will be. Because God will come to you. God will reveal Himself to you in the deep obedience. When everybody else thinks you're a fool. When everybody else in your family is laughing at you. When everybody else is making fun of you. When everybody else is ostracizing you. And then when some want to persecute you. Paul's in prison. And he's full of joy. We have a lot to learn here, I think, beloved. Paul says, man, if I'm in prison, I'm going to do spiritual business while I'm in prison. Some of you say, well, Jim, you don't understand how difficult my situation is. It's not conducive to spiritual business. Wait a minute. Your situation is worse than Paul's? He's in prison. He's in chains. He's chained to somebody all the time. And he's doing business. I just want to ask you, are you doing business? You know you will give an account to the Lord. I will give an account to the Lord. Uh, you know, I want to hear those words, Matthew 25, 21, well done. Well done, Jim. Well done. Yeah, you messed up a lot, but my blood has covered it. Well done. Well done. Paul says, if I live or die, I'm aiming at heaven. If I live, I will do spiritual business. If I die, I will go to be with God. And he says, 22 to 24, I don't know which one to choose. I'm hard pressed in both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Jesus. For that is, someone tell me, only marginally better. No, it's very much better. This is unheard. You know, you don't ever see this kind of this kind of grammar or construction in, in the New Testament. Very much better, Paul says. You know, the hard-pressed man is always hard-pressed. To live like his God is God. Without qualification, I live like Jesus is God. No qualification. I don't limit that in any way. My boss doesn't like it, I'm sorry. My family doesn't like it, I'm sorry. But this is who I am in Jesus, right? My friends don't like it. My colleagues don't like it. My student, fellow students don't like it. Listen, they'll like it a lot if you'll sow good seed and God uses it to convert them. They'll like it forever. They'll like it forever that God put you in their life. They'll like it forever, beloved. I love this tension that Paul feels. Let me ask you, do you feel this tension? You know, I... I, I I, I, I want to go, but I, I, I should stay. You know? Do, do you feel this tension? I think that every maturing Christian certainly does feel this tension. Some say to me sometimes, well, Jim, I'm not ready to die and be with Jesus. I want to graduate first. You know, I've heard a, a lot of these. I want to take this trip first. I want to fall in love first. I want to get married first. I want to have kids first. I want to have a career first. I want to retire first. And I've been guilty of saying, I just want to preach one more time. But the first time I preached through Philippians 1.21, I learned to never say that again. 
because it reveals a diminished view of who Jesus Christ is. Paul says nothing is better than Him. Basta. Nothing. 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 And when you really catch that kind of glimpse of Jesus, you know, that, <laughs> that animates the whole rest of your life, right? <laughs> your marriage will be better. You will be a better employee. You will be a better friend. You'll be a better student. You'll be a better church member. When you really think like Paul's thinking here, when you feel that tension, yes, it would be great to be with Jesus, but you know, I know I need to be here. It would be, it would be much better for me to be here in one sense, to, to do ministry, right? To serve the church, to love the church, to go out into the world and sow good seed that men and women might be converted. I think the Holy Spirit is teaching us a valuable lesson here. I hope we're hearing Him. Nothing is better than Jesus. Then here in verses 25 and 26, um, Paul says to live as Christ, to die as gain, it doesn't really matter to him. He says uh, to depart and be with Jesus is more desirable, but to stay to stay and be used of Christ is more necessary. So Paul believes that the Lord will leave him on the planet for a while longer. Why? So he could go to Jerusalem and take that vacation? Or so he could fall in love first? Or he could, he could get married first? Or he could have kids first? Or he could be written up in the Jerusalem journal first? Or he could be you know, acclaimed as the greatest apostle in the history of the planet? I mean, it wasn't about those things. Sometimes those things, those are, sometimes those are subordinate blessings of God and we praise God for those things. There, there's nothing wrong with those things. But those are not, that's not our preeminent motivation, right? Our preeminent motivation is to be used of Jesus while we are here. Paul says, if the Lord leaves me here, I'll do spiritual business. I'll use my gifts in the church. I'll love and serve the body of Christ. I'll live to make much of Christ. And Paul says in those last two verses, I want to assist in your progress and joy in the faith. Don't you love it? You need to be assisting in my progress and faith. That's your job to your pastor. You're supposed to assist in my progress and my faith. You're supposed to encourage me. I'm supposed to see you living for Jesus and I'm supposed to go, wow! Look how they live for Jesus! And in the same sense, I should be Encouraging you to grow in the Lord and to grow in joy. That's why I challenge you every week you come in here. I told you last week, man, I, I'm not going to insult your intelligence by telling you the Bible says something it clearly does not say. And you can go into many churches, particularly in the West, and you can hear all kinds of garbage, pseudo-gospels. You can. They're everywhere. They're everywhere, all over the spectrum of so-called Christianity, false Gospels. All you have to do is open your Bible and read it. And when you come in here, I'm not going to insult your intelligence. I'm not going to do it. You can read the Bible for yourself. Most of you already know what it says. So, we're going to do what God says. We're going to look at the Word. And I want to say to you, if there's a lack of joy in your life, Almost all the time, this has been my experience 30 years in ministry, almost all the time it's an obedience issue. 
Almost all the time, not all the time, but almost all the time, it is an obedience issue. You are not obeying Jesus somewhere. Paul obeys Jesus all the way to prison. (laughs) Come on. Don't you love it? How can you not love it? And so I love Paul and I love Peter. You know, we saw this this verse last year as we went into uh, 2 Peter 1.13. Peter says, as long as I'm alive, it's right for me to stir you up by way of reminder, right? That's that's what my job is, to stir you up by way of reminder. To remind you that your God is God and you ought to be living like it Monday through Sunday. Your God is God. Live like it. He's an awesome God. He's an awesome and fearsome God. He is I Am, right? He's in the manger. He's in the cross. He's in the tomb. He's out of the tomb. Oh, He's in heaven again. No, He's coming back. You know, (laughs) come on. I know I get a little jazzed, but come on. How can you not get jazzed about this God? Really? So that's my job. That's my job. To stir you up by way of reminder. I want you to remember that once you were hopelessly hell-bound, but now you are irreversibly heaven-bound. I just don't know how that can be small to anybody who really believes it. I just, I, I never have been able to understand that. So, beloved, remember you are a steward here. Remember you are here to magnify Jesus. That's what I want to leave you with tonight. If, you, if you've given yourself to some small temporal dream, If you claim to be a Christian and you've given yourself to some small temporal dream, God will shatter it. Not because He's a mean God, because He's a good God. He's not going to let you waste your life chasing something that will not fill up your heart and soul. He'll lovingly shatter that dream and give you Himself. And really, you call yourself a Christian? Do you want anything other than that? Preeminently, do you want anything other than a greater disclosure of Christ? Right? A greater intimacy with Christ. Could we want anything else? So, yeah, I, I just had to finish off this, this, great, this great verse here. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Our God is God. And He expects you to live like you believe it. Let's pray together. Lord, we love You. We thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the challenge. As I've studied this week, I'll just own this for myself, the personal challenge, the personal conviction. And through the challenge and conviction, I hear this intoxicating invitation. Jim, come on. Jim, come on. Come go with me and live like you have never lived before. Experience my joy. Experience intimacy with me to a greater degree. So Lord, I pray that we would hear and we would obey.
for Your glory, for our joy. We pray this in His beautiful name. Amen. I'd love to close with a quick chorus if, I don't know, you guys will. Our pianist is out, so uh, I don't know. Hey, Blessing Throw Up Ancient Words, we'll do like we did in the old days. And we'll sing this, we'll close, we'll go, th- go through ancient words twice and then we'll dismiss. Let's just stand, we'll sing it a cappella. Ancient words ever true, changing me and changing you. We have come with open hearts, oh let the ancient words impart. Ancient words ever true, changing me and changing you. Have come with open hearts, O let the ancient words impart. God bless. Have a great week. Go with God. Yeah, I don't know if she's playing cards or she's playing cheap music. That's the only thing. I play cards.